Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast. Uh, this will be episode number 92. And the, what we're going to talk about today is something that... Um, it's not that I feel comfortable talking about it, but it's something I have a lot of experience with over 35 years. Uh, what I'm going to say is based on a lot of fact, a lot of truths. Um, a lot of people aren't going to appreciate it, and uh, by no means is my are, are any of my intents to upset or piss anybody off. But <clears throat> in Connecticut, like everywhere else in the United States, there seems to be a uh, an escalation of criminal activities growing by numbers we have we've never seen it's it's a trending it's a trending pattern and i'm going to explain to you why this this pattern is trending it's multifaceted there are several factors involved it's not one independent factor but it's several factors uh it's something you really need to consider uh it involves the criminals themselves, the criminals, home life, the politicians, the politicians need to get votes, and the choices that have been made in the legislation over the past, since 1912 have completely denigrated the ability of law enforcement personnel to do their jobs and um, <clears throat> I will throw the primary fault of this growing escalation of crime directly on the legislation because they are the ones that have created this beast that they now want society to live with and law enforcement to deal with. It is a, a moniker of their own making and it should be a, noted as such. Okay, <clears throat> let's start off first by first, okay? When, when you are in law enforcement, the majority of the people you have contact with are the average citizen they're they're happily you know they're respectful um, they don't like the reason why they're being stopped or questioned but you know they 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 assist or go you know they they provide information required most of the time it's said and done and they're off on their way <clears throat> then you have the hardcore criminal who knows every loophole there is and um, uses every attempt to intimidate police officers into not doing their job. And then you have the juvenile factor. See, the juveniles are have a, a few things going for them. One, they are generally used as pawns for the older criminals because the older criminals know if they get caught, they're more than likely going to uh, serve a prison sentence. They use the younger ones to simply do the work for them, knowing that being a juvenile, they're going to get a slap on their hand which is 
has always been the case, but more often now than in the past. And then you have, like I said, this is multi multifaceted situation. I'm going to try to bring in as many factors as I can, but it's, it's not going to be it's not going to be easy. In Connecticut in 2012, the state of Connecticut and its legislation believed that charging juveniles with crimes was a bad thing because it affected their well, one, one that it was impressionable to them because of contact with law enforcement, possible incarceration. And listen, I get that. I understand. I wholeheartedly get that, and I understand that. But this is something for simple crimes, common crimes, not crimes involving guns, stolen cars, home invasions, different animal. Unfortunately, it has escalated to the point now, especially in Connecticut, if you look at the majority of stolen cars, who's doing it? Juveniles. Home invasion, who's doing it? Juveniles. Robberies, juveniles. But yet the court system in the city of Connecticut, the state of Connecticut has closed most of the juvenile detention facilities, has put in so many laws that, you know, it's a free card. It's like a monopoly game. It's a free card for people, just these juveniles, just to walk away. And then their real bout of genius was to extend the range to a juvenile from 16 and under to basically 18 and under. So now you have two more years where juveniles can do what they want and just be let go. Slap on their hand and that's it. That was a truly a bad move. I mean, think about it. When you're 16, you can get a driver's license. You can do a few more things than most juveniles can do. And now you can commit crimes and get away with it because you're a juvenile, considered a juvenile, which was even crazier that at one time the, our Connecticut legislation wanted to move the age of a juvenile up to 21. Well, in case the legislation didn't realize it, that at 18 uh, you could buy a rifle, at 18 you, you can join the army, at 18 you can get, you can get a full-time job. What are you thinking? And at 21, just a reminder, the, the federal government uh, considers you old enough to buy a handgun plus a lot of other things so these concepts and ideas come from people in places that are don't have rational knowledge of what goes out in the street and sometimes you know it's not a good thing the more you let people you know, you know what like I've always told people, and you've heard it in my other podcasts, self-contempt is a yard, you know, a yard, you know, free will is a is a yardstick to your own self-contempt. And in today's society, the more you let people do, the more they're going to do. And what really, which really was kind of 
a really a, I, I don't want to say a slap in the face, but what really made me laugh was um, about a month and a half ago, a uh, an article in the, the Connecticut Post came out saying that the Connecticut legislation wants to know why the there's a um, an increase in juvenile violence. Why? Because you paved the path. You allowed them to do what they're doing. That's why. I'm not going to hide it between any... I don't have any political correctness. I, that word, I can't even spell that word. You know, so, so you're not going to get it from me. But what I'm going to tell you is the truth. You as a legislative branch created this beast. And now you want to know how this happened? Look in the mirror. That's how it happened. You know, you've feared law enforcement to a point where nobody wants to deal with juveniles. They let them go what the hell they want. Can't see it from where I live. That's the mentality you have out there now. Because of the legislation, putting fear into everybody, into law enforcement. Because God forbid you do your job. Well, let me throw let me throw a big a big wake up call or a wrench in your your a wrench into the uh, mix is that if we can't do our jobs, then it's going to continue to escalate. That's what I'm going to tell you. I don't need to yell. I don't need to swear. I don't need to do anything. But this is what you need to know. Now. And this is this was to mainly appease people when when um, Knucklehead One and Knucklehead Two were running for uh, were candidates for president. Um, they had caused a big divide, social divide, racial divide within within a country that we were dealing with what we were dealing with. But the divide became so extensive that the politicians learned to get votes they needed to feed off it. They needed to take sides. So they did. And without understanding what law enforcement was really about, they went and presumptively made these uh, laws that really discouraged and or stopped law enforcement from doing their jobs. Simple. And then they wonder, I just read an article today, I just, you know what, and this had to come from the Connecticut Post again, and I'm sorry guys, I don't mean to beat you up, but you put it out there and, uh, you know, I grab a hold of it. They're wondering now why there's such an insurgent in crime. Where do you liber where do you legislators live? You are the ones creating these laws, creating these rules, these policies that allow these people to do what they're doing. And then you question law enforcement. You know what it was? It was an article. They wanted to know why with, with so many deaths on the highway and so much speeding and this and that, why the Connecticut State Police weren't doing their job. The Connecticut State Police are doing their job, but to a limited capacity because of the rules you set for not just them, but the rest of us. It's got nothing to do with why the state police aren't doing their job. The state police are doing their job. The municipal police are doing their job. <clears throat> Everybody's, everybody in law enforcement is doing their job, but to a limited capacity based on the rules and the policy you made. And let me tell you what, I'm going to give you a, a wake-up call. 
these rules and policies you made <clears throat> because you thought the police were treating people so bad and this and that, they were about maybe less than 1% of the law enforcement population. Very small number, just like these shootings. If you really sat down and on one day you have millions and millions of police contacts and you have a shooting, how often? But yet you, you look away from the everyday street shootings when people shoot each other, they don't count because they're not media worthy to you, the legislation. They don't point, they don't possess an agenda. The only problem with that is these individuals that are being shot on the street, civilian shootings, are somebody's sons, daughters, fathers, mothers, brothers, sisters, but yet it goes unnoticed. And not, it's not just here in Connecticut. It's, 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 it's become a cultural thing. It's become a media thing. Let's not say a cultural thing because that's incorrect. It's a media thing. It doesn't grab the bites that you want, okay? It doesn't grab the, it doesn't grab the media attention or bites you want. But yet, if you look at the number of shootings, civilian shootings, it outnumbers police civilian shootings by thousands times thousands but yet you have the audacity to jump on law enforcement when they have to do their job make a decision in a split second you see one of the biggest things that I've noticed and and these people are totally co correct regardless of how I'm in an inner city or speaking with people in a suburbs or a rural community they want to know where the where the why aren't the police just running to these calls that when we make a call for this or a call for that you know why it's like this it's not that law enforcement isn't doing their job but because of these standards you have set these policies the police departments can't find people to work they don't want to work you know you would think oh a seventy thousand dollar job somebody's going to jump on that Nobody's going to jump on that when everything they do when they're in a patrol car is wrong. When they can be sued because of your stupid indemnity act. Listen, you're the state, you're the municipality, you should cover the indemnity. They're working for you. You're not working for them. Okay, get that straight. And you might not like it, but you know what? You're getting a taste of your own medicine right now. Because I'm the guy to give it to you. So, law enforcement, you know, it's not that they want to not be proactive, but due to manpower shortages, due to indemnity, the fear of indemnity, being sued, losing everything they have, do you think, what kind of motivator is that? And if you think it's a motivator, you, you need some retraining, okay? Now, let's take a look at another thing that irritates the living hell out of people. So, but this is, this is the, let me just kind of regress a second. But this is the complaint from citizens, whether they're in the inner city, the suburbs, or the rural communities. Where are the cops? Well, one, there really aren't any left because nobody wants to work in this state because of our indemnity act. You know, they'd rather go out, out, out in, a, in another state where they, they're not 
pressured not to do their job. If you look at every other state, they handle their crap. Connecticut, we've got so many indemnity laws and policies about us not being able to do our job that, you know, it, it, let me tell you what, it kills morale, it, kill, it kills the desire to correctly do your job, and the, big, the biggest thing here is the legislation needs to realize that if we can't do our job, crime is going to continue to escalate. I don't care about them recording me on their stupid cell phones. I just tell them to get my good side, and I believe that's the left. But I need to be able to do my job. I need a legislation. I need a city hall. I need a police department that backs my decisions, what I do as, as, as a police officer. Okay? I don't need laws stuffed down my throat telling me how I can't do my job. Okay? So, then one of the next things uh, is that the people are upset because all of these ATVs and dirt bikes riding up and down the streets. Well, we've basically been told not to engage them because it's a, it's a, it's a liability. Somebody's going to get hurt. And listen, I get it. I mean, I'm not, uh, you know, I'm not siding, I'm not siding against the policies that are made. The departments, the police departments make policies in response to the legislative actions, okay? I get that. They really have to. They're forced to do it. Not that they want to do it, but they're actually forced to do it. So with that being said, though, so what's going to happen you think about how many these little monsters in their ATVs and dirt bikes kicking cars as they go by, slamming into cars, beating people up because they, they on their all-terrain vehicles or dirt bike hits a car because they shouldn't be on the road, and then they want to beat the guy up that's in the car they hit. This is the mentality we're, we're dealing with nowadays, folks. You know, um, don't know where it was taught. Maybe it wasn't taught. I don't know. But what about the people, what about those people? Oh, that's right, they're not victims because they're not the ones driving the ATVs, right? And then what really, really gets, you know, so what's going to happen when one, of the, when one of these ATVs runs somebody's kids over, runs somebody over, kills them? Then what's your excuse? You don't have an excuse, you know, nothing for nothing. Um... It's you know I just I just wonder you know what the legislative branch not only in Connecticut but all over the country I mean these people are so you know what this is the the and I have to be honest with you and I'm not very politically motivated but looking at all these politicians and the decisions that they make lately these are the weakest people I have ever seen in office okay weakest. And I, and I know it sounds bad, but we need to face it. I mean, we are allowing crime to fester, manifest itself in a proportion that we cannot handle. Law enforcement by legislative actions are not allowed to handle. And then 
in retort legislation comes out with these these comments well why is this happening why is that happening because you are the ones that created the Frankenstein monster and we can no longer chase the Frankenstein monster up to the windmill so he set free and this is what you created not law enforcement not the civil population, but the legislation that has caused this issue. And believe me, I get legis legislators sending me these nasty grams all the time, but the fact is, you know why they're sending them to me? Because they know what I'm saying is true. You know, let's face it, most of these decisions to allow certain things to happen are based, based on the solicitation of votes. It's, it's how it is. I mean, you know, I'm not that stupid, neither is the rest of the American public. So, legislation, I have a question to ask you. Now that you're so concerned about things because of your mistake with the juveniles in 2012, with your indemnity laws from 2020, and now that everything's going to hell in a handbasket, what are you as legislators going to do? You know what you need to do is you need to start repealing these, these laws that you made. You need to start reopening these facilities that you closed. You need to allow law enforcement to do its job. You know, I'm going to tell you one thing, and I've been doing this job 35 years. Law enforcement isn't about sex. It's not about gender. It's not about race. It's not about religion. It's about providing a society where people are safe and free to be able to do what they want to do without being victims of criminals. That's what it's about. And that will never be cut. It was that way up till what, five, five years ago. Now, five, since five years ago, since everybody decided they, or 2012 really, since everybody wanted to get onto the you know, let's let's do what let's let everybody just do what they want type of mentality. This is what you've created. You know, and I and I hope honestly you guys up there in the legislation, you women, excuse me, I didn't mean to like separate you, but you need to make some hard decisions. Hard decisions sometimes, you know what? It's like a kid at home. Would you let your kid at home do whatever he wanted? Sometimes you need to put your your fist down. In this case, I don't I don't know, you know what what we have going on here. The shortage of law enforcement, law enforcement not wanting to people not wanting to join law enforcement because they're afraid of getting sued because of this the the useless legislation you put enact enacted. Um, you got a situation on your hand, legislation, and you need to do something to correct it because if you don't. You have not seen just the beginning of what's going to happen. And it's, it's kind of sad because I grew up in a generation where people didn't do any, everything they wanted. They could have, but they didn't. Okay? When the teacher yelled at you, you were afraid. Your parents didn't come in and fight because of your, because they want to protect you from doing, 
because you did something wrong. Um, when law enforcement told you not to do something, although you didn't agree with it, you didn't do it because there was a reason why they told you that you didn't not to do it. You know, they they don't just come out of the air and say things because they got nothing better to do. You know, you had respect for people that were older. You had respect for everything. Because this country, whether regardless of who you are, you will never have the freedoms and the availability of things and the quality of life that you have in this country anywhere else. You try going somewhere else and thinking you're going to get it. But this is, was at one time a country of law. A, a country of law. We are no longer a country of law. We are at the mercy of pirates. And I don't know whether they're the pirates out in the street or the pirates making these decisions and legislative actions. I don't know. But I know we're in trouble. And I know that things need to change. And if, if I could figure out how to do it, I would do it. But at this point, you know what? I just, you have to throw your hands up in your air and just hope. You know, like they say, something's got to give. And just remember, this is Mike Bouchard, Michael C. Bouchard, the host of the Night Stalker podcast, episode number 92. Not sure what I'm going to name this right now, but I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of, a lot of uh, slack, but that's okay. I'm good with slack. I fight back. I tell you how it is. If you don't like it, well, that's, you know, maybe you need to take a look at what's going on in this world. Um, just remember the majority of people that are out there are not bad people. They're not criminals. Uh, they're good people. <clears throat> Sometimes they may be living in areas that they, be, they are the victims. Sometimes you may become the victims, but believe it or not, the majority of the people out there are good people. And it's, it's hard to tell good people that, especially being law enforcement, that we're limited at what we can do to help you. I kind of think it's embarrassing myself when I have to tell a person that, that, oh, you know, I really can't do this now because of this new legislation. I really feel embarrassed. You feel helpless. You, you know, these people are calling you for help, and what do you do? You can't. So I don't know. Maybe somebody has an idea. If you do, let me know. If you want to send me anything <clears throat> via an audio tape and you want me to answer a question, any type of question, I don't care what the question is, um, just send it to me. You know, my uh, email is uh, forevernightct1 at comcast.net. And if Forever Night is the old Nick Knight series, The Vampire Cop, just like the podcast name, The Night Stalker, which is not The Night Stalker in uh, California, who was a really uh, Ramirez, who was just, a useless, uh, um, just somebody that should have gone away a long time ago. Um, we will see you at episode number 93. Not sure what that'll be yet, but... Uh, the last two episodes got a lot of hits. Hopefully this will get a lot of hits. And like I said, if you want two other additional podcasts to listen to, uh, Terry Sutton does the uh, Savage Watch out of Connecticut. And um, Micah Hanks does the Grayland Report. And I think I believe he's in North Carolina. Every time I call him, he's somewhere different. Uh, so just uh, get on your uh, computer and search around. And just remember, if you're in a dark place, a dark room, a dark alley, a dark parking lot, or a dark woods, first 
of all, ask yourself, what the hell are you doing there? Because I want to know what you're doing there. And if you hear footsteps or strange noises and you don't know what to do, you better know where the back door or the back window is, or you better start running. You better run fast, because if you don't, you might be the next episode of the Night Stalker podcast. Until then, I am Michael C. Wishar, the host of the Night Stalker.